Hey, I think Anchor might have passed its luck check. It's the No Class Podcast. With your internet buddies, Eddie. And Matt. All right, we're back again. It's been a while. It's been too damn long. But we've got our coffee, so I think we're going to be good to go. Yay! I went to get a Mountain Dew and some jackass put a Dr. Pepper in there. Yay! <laughs> hmm. but, yeah, well, we've got a lot of uh, catching up to do, folks. You didn't get our uh, usual shenanigans last time, and we've missed a few episodes, so this time you get a lot of rambling, if that's your bag, baby. So much rambling. But yeah, well, I, I, I won't repeat the guac story. But anyway, <laughs> oh, well, um, and Matt is yeah, in search man. of the uh, great tamale of Longview. Yeah. Yeah. Is, anybody, uh, yeah anybody in the, the greater Longview area knows some good tamales, hook me up. I'm, I'm we're I'm having a tamale famine. And uh, we are broadcasting with Anchor again, hopefully yeah. for the last time. <laughs> Amen. Woof. We got to get back to our studio. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is for anybody who knows, like, gosh, the guys seem like their timing's off kind of. Normally we have visual cues for like, all right, your turn or my turn or whatever. But there's times where like I'm done speaking and there's these pauses or Eddie because we don't know. We're like, oh, okay, you're done, you know. Or then I'm talking over Eddie or vice versa. I don't want to, you know, but anyway, blah, blah, blah. Anchor. Hooray. Um. But yeah, it's but, it, it keeps us coming to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I listened to some of them. They weren't just terrible, but anyway. All right. A ringing endorsement of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I said, we really appreciate David Beatty for coming out last time and giving us the, the scoop, the dope on, uh, you know, what's it going on with dark trails and it's such a really neat game. Um, yeah, you know, just, I'm, I'm really excited for it. So dark trails is our excuse for an episode, but like I said, we got a lot of ground to cover, so we'll see. <laughs> Absolutely. So like, as far as like current events, well, you know, we all know the awful stuff, boo, whatever. But yeah, part of that, we were just talking about Gen Con's been canceled. And that's that's a big deal in the gaming community, you know. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think a lot of people saw that coming. No, I because I, I figure I think it's in August. And people were probably hoping or thinking, well, August, but you know, I guess they're not taking any chances. And that's that's coming. But it's the end of July, beginning of August, too. So, I mean, yeah. we're pretty much June now. Yeah. You're, you're right. Like we're talking about, um, it, we were heartbroken to have to cancel in um, our our first try at a spring con in Longview. And because I'm missing all of my gaming buddies, all my con buddies, as I like to call them, you know. And uh, so I'm, I'm heartbroken. I didn't get to see them in April. And now I worry about getting to see them coming up here in uh, a couple weeks at NTRPG, you know. even Even if it happens... It, it may very well may a lot of the people that I normally see aren't coming. They're not going to make it for, you know, for obvious and good reasons, you know, good reasons all. Well, while we're talking about NTRPG, one thing that's interesting about this one, 
depending on actually how it turns out, if it does occur as a in-person con as well, they are requiring masks. Everyone wears masks during the con. Well, you know, for your typical gamer, that's probably a plus, you know, to have a mask on. So, you know. Yeah, if they would uh, hose them down beforehand, that would work too. <laughs> you will hose be and masked before you can come in. We're going to shave your backside and make you walk backwards. Anyway, no, Teehee, I kid, I kid. I love you all. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's the whole thing is just, I mean, this has been so disruptive to our society in so many more meaningful ways that not to seem, I don't know, whatever about it, but, I mean, still, the, the impact on our hobby in that regard, you know, ugh, you know, it sucks. Because, I mean, so many cons have been canceled. I mean, a ton, you know. And, I th- and there are other ones that are going to be canceled. But, but definitely, I think that we should be able to have the traditional November long con without any hitches or glitches. We're going to do whatever is best for, for the people and safest or whatever. But I would I hoped, would think by November we should be in a better place. You know, that's my fervent hope and my belief. We're flattening the curve. Well, I know some people are already starting to play home games again. And we yeah. have talked about doing a in-person meetup for our usual group. So, yeah. I know I'm definitely missing the the group that uh, from my place here at the I'm I'm in the game room right now and with my paints and crap set everywhere. But yeah, and books and things. I'm missing. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm definitely missing the our gaming groups. Both of them. I miss the club. I, I miss all the folks. I really, really do. I hate it. I miss them, but yeah. So, you know, the impact in that regard, because you know, I've been gaming since I was in the fifth grade, probably at least once a week, if not sometimes more since I, since that age. So it's just, this is the longest spell I've had without having a in-person face-to-face gaming session in my lifetime. I mean, wow. what that's worth. Yeah. I mean, you know, so. It's I about time to take a break. I guess you're probably right. It's probably best for everyone. See, you're recharging all your uh, batteries now. Maybe. Having all the time to think. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I should be thinking. Yeah. But instead, anyway. you're playing Fallout. Yeah, Fallout 76. But, I mean, I say, I think I'm, I'm getting to a place, you know, where I'm kind of – I mean, I've had a lot of fun. It's really a great game. It, but, I mean, Bethesda, they put it out. Every complaint anybody ever had was perfectly valid, but they've really improved it. It's still got its bugs and its glitches, but it's fun to play. If it wasn't, we wouldn't have invested this much time. But yeah, I mean, we've had, we've had a lot of fun with it. And for something I spent $14 on, I mean, that's, that's, that's a hell of a value. Yeah. yeah. Well, any other video games you're getting into lately? Um, well, I know you've been playing the ever-loving crap out of Castlevania, right? Oh, yeah. So, Let's see. Yeah, I was reading your Facebook post, so you played the Game Boy version, but you didn't play it on Game Boy? Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, that I was playing that on PS4. Huh. So, isn't that weird to play a Game Boy game on PS4? Yeah, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. But I mean, like, like, good. You can play your Atari games on the PS4. Oh, yeah. Probably in television, whatever, I imagine. 
Yeah, but it's kind of weird to take the most ancient of video game technologies and play it on the latest and greatest. That was the first true handheld gaming system, wasn't it? Yeah, unless you want to count all those, like, the little Tiger Electronics games and... Well, that's why I said first true, because I knew, yeah, there was all... I mean, I owned some of those as a kid, like the, the little, little... arcades. Yeah, the, what was it? Like, there'd be the little spaceship going across the screen, and it was, what would you call it, digital or something, and you had your little turret that might have three positions, and when you yep. pump the button, a little BB would go up to the little spaceship. I mean, yeah, then, I, yeah all of this was four-bit or whatever. I mean, it was, yeah sad but god as a kid sitting hunkered behind your buddy in class or whatever and you're supposed to be focusing on your work or the teacher and i'm sitting there you just because like, oh, the best thing ever you know look at me you know, yeah um but, but yeah, yeah now i've beaten the first four castlevanias i've beaten the first castlevania on game boy and then also symphony of the night which is on playstation one and so oh, I've got wow. a couple more Castlevanias to do. And then I'll have my run of Castlevania games that I'm going to, I'm not going to play every single one because there's a lot of turkeys and uh -huh. junk. But mm -hmm. all of the ones that kind of fall into the classic era, I'm going to play. If anybody wants to play one, I would definitely recommend picking up uh, Super Castlevania, which is Castlevania 4. That's mm -hmm. definitely probably the best one, one of the most fun to play, easier. And I recently beat Castlevania 2, and that one's got an awful reputation for being really hard, but that one wasn't so bad as long as you have a guide. If, you're, if you will use a walkthrough, if uh, your uh, integrity will allow such things, that one's pretty good. 3 was just really, really hard, but I'm glad that I've still got the twitch reflexes, and I think a lot of these things I can do it better now than when I was younger. Because huh. I may not have as much reflex, but I've got a lot more patience and i can you know you can wait for that jump now yeah instead of just yeah. being nothing but twitch mm -hmm. all geared and I, up and ready to go yeah so yeah uh, castlevania you, is my latest addiction if you're a completist and you have to conquer the arcade edition come on over you know i think huh, that's on I, you I think I didn't even know there was an arcade edition. I'll have to look at that. Oh, absolutely, I, I know there's at least one or, or something. I I could I, I would I'm almost certain. I'm fairly certain. Don't quote me on that, but I'm fairly. Busy. But if it's there's one made, it's probably on my arcade. So yeah, that's a impressive machine. Yeah, that I kind of feel bad. I haven't fired it up in a while, but I really need to. It's but it's funny whenever my stepson comes to visit. We'll we'll pull up some of the fighting games, and he he can beat me at the other ones. But if it's Mortal Kombat, hang it up, son. I'm, I'm, <laughs> hang it up. Anyway, that's that's when he gets a little cocky and talking smack, and I have to take him to school. I have to learn him. I'll, I'll fire up Mortal Kombat and get on, you know, Raiden or uh, what's the other guy with the hat? I can't remember. Anyway, oh um, yeah, Kung Lao. Yeah, Kung Lao. But um. Yeah, but yeah. So, but as far as what am I playing? You know, we've been playing Fallout seventy six, and then you made the mistake the other night of mentioning, oh, they've got more time on sale on PS four. So I fired that up last night around midnight, and then suddenly I looked up and it was three in the morning. I'm like, oh crap! And uh, but I I love I love you know tabletop 
gaming, definitely skirmish scale stuff. And I've always, I have a real fondness for the game Mordheim. And so the, the port over to computers is, is pretty decent. I like it, you know, and I'm a bit of a gaming masochist and, and you kind of, that's one of those ones where you have to question you're like, why am I doing this to myself to a certain degree? And I say that only because like you'll get really attached to your war band and they'll start to, and you can have a couple of bad fights and they can disintegrate around you. And if that's something you just can't handle, you, you don't want to play the game. But if, if you don't mind a challenge, man, but I love the tactics and strategy of games like that. I, that's, that's, that's my jam. But anyway, yeah, we have got into those masochistic games a lot lately. I don't know if that was me uh, rubbing that off on you with the Dark Souls and everything and Darkest Dungeon. Oh, Darkest Dungeon. You you kind of have to hate yourself a little bit. <laughs> I think to play that. It's fun, but I mean, at the same time, you're just sitting here at one point, you're going, why am I doing this? <laughs> well, I would say my great gaming skill now is just persistence. Yeah. That they can endure that hundred deaths or whatever now. Yeah. But, you know, so we were going to, oh, so as far as, okay, we're talking about video games. And then as far as uh, other gaming, you've helped play test some board games recently. Which one stands out to you? Or what can you tell us about them? Like, if you didn't like it, tell us why, whatever. Oh, you're moving on to the board game section. Well, just game, moving board. away from computer games. Welcome to the board game section, folks. Yeah, I figure. Why, so why, why I, say it for the end? What I have been playing lately in the board game front is This War of Mine, which is another video game turned board uh -huh. game. Hmm. But I haven't got to play the video game it's based off of yet. But uh -huh. I have high hopes for it. This War of Mine is I want to say it's not much so much a game as it is an experience. Okay. I'm trying to think of a good example of a movie where it's like, you should watch that movie. I almost want to say like a Schindler's List or something like that, where it's not one of those ones that you're like, I'll watch that all the time. That's hmm. or uh I'm trying to think what's the uh World War Two movie, Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. There's probably not a lot of people because they're so emotionally heavy that sit yeah, down and watch that all the time. Yeah, like I watch it once every couple months. No. <laughs> I mean, you, you appreciate so, it. Yeah, yeah, but it's more like it's a movie that you experience and you have that one-time relation with it just because it's that nobody wins. The oh, dark I mean, direction of war. Yeah. It's funny you should mention, I was thinking about this earlier, that when we were going to play our post-APOC campaign, I ran it a little gonzo, and I put some little bit of tongue-in-cheek humor, and it's kind of campiness at times, but it's still very lethal and kind of could be dark on other levels. But I did that to kind of even it out and temper it, because do you want, but I had one player like, I wish it was more serious, but I'm like, have you ever seen the movie The Road? Oh, my yeah. God. I wanted to cry at the end of that. I mean, it was just emotionally draining. That is just a really, it's dark and oppressive and never lets up. So I'm like, is that the kind of game you want me to run? I mean, you know, I can't imagine. But anyway, I'm sorry, I, I digress. But. Yeah, but this war of mine is kind of like that. It's actually based on, I think it was uh, Kosovo 
when everything just went to pieces. So you're people trying to survive in your own city while the world's going to hell. Uh, soldiers are shooting at you. They're stealing all your supplies. Huh. It's got a lot in common with the walking dead where it's like, you know, the worst enemy is other humans. Yeah. So there's no zombies in this. It's just soldiers and fellow survivors. But I mean, if your little group runs up against another little group and somebody's got water and the other ones don't and they need it, it's going to hit the fan. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where it gets worse. This happens and then this happens and it gets so worse. Like, so basically the game is trying to make the best of a bad situation. Yeah. And just kind of give you that experience of what happens in times like that. Which I think that's great so that people can appreciate what folks have went through in places like Kosovo and whatever. Like we were isolated in America and we whinge about these first world problems like, oh, my latte wasn't just right. <laughs> Something Starbucks and it's like, really? You know, there are people that are going without food in, you know, parts of Africa or something. I mean, really, you know, but yeah. But is that what you look for in a video game? Like, hey, the fellows are all coming over tonight. We're going to play this bleak wartime survival game and it takes oh my god it takes so many hours this is not you're not gonna well actually you can learn it relatively fast because it walks you through the game but there's uh -huh. a lot of confusing stuff that you have to riddle out and we're talking this game is going to take hours and hours it's you know risk will seem brisk and quick compared to it Wow. And that is so, I mean, but this isn't like axes of allies level. We're like, we need a big table and we need tied up for the whole weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that kind of complexity, but it's one that's like, all right, put it out on the table and it's going to be a couple of days. Wow. So, yeah. Cause you're, so, you're probably do it in small chunks, like hours instead of like, let's sit down and play this for 24 hours straight. Oh God. So you're gonna I mean, play for a while and then be like, let's all find the will to live again. <laughs> and then we'll then we'll play it some more later. Wow. So this isn't a game for everybody, is what I'm hearing, but for people who oh. would appreciate this, it's probably a great game. Yeah, and speaking of it's not for everybody, you you uh, remind me of another good point. There are graphic and depressing situations, so they have red and black cards that you can take out. Oh, wow. So they don't get the full experience because the black is like the really super depressing. And then the red is the more graphic stuff. Wow. And it doesn't go into the really, really, I guess, more obvious, like now I'm triggered sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But it be, it's more like scenes of violence. Like it might be a little gory or a little, this is depressing. So you, so can, you can take it from. The, yeah. To lessen you your experience. Down to PG 13 by taking those cards out, maybe. Yeah, but still, the very fact that you have to do that kind of gives you an indicator of how heavy this game is. Wow, yeah, wow. Well, that's really neat, though. I mean, I, now it's funny, I won't lie, I'm kind of intrigued enough, I, I wouldn't mind trying it out just to see kind of what's. I'm, I, I'm intrigued. Okay, so we've got our little scale system here. One mm. is like, if you see it, run the other way. And five is go round down to Geek World and buy it right now and play it today. So that's our little one to five scale. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give this a two. 
Oh, wow. Because unless for some reason this is your jam, I want to say this game is about 60 bucks. Mm -hmm. So you're investing in it. And I don't think it's one that you're going to pull off the shelf a lot for the average bear. Yeah. This would be one you you may probably play once every six months, maybe, or something. I mean, or once in a lifetime. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. But uh, yeah, it's a heavy game. But like you said, it is intriguing. It is interesting. And that might be a good thing for a con in a way. Yeah. For a board game con sort of thing where you don't, you haven't laid out any money. Somebody can give you a hand walking you through it and you can experience it in a like three, four hour session. But I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there that like they would eat this up. They would love it. But that person is the exception, not the rule probably. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm looking at when I make the recommendations. It's kind of like dark souls. You can't recommend that to everybody across the board. That's a niche audience. Yeah. Or Castlevania, for that matter. Unless you just really love getting killed <laughs> over and over. So if you really like getting killed over and over in a board game, this might be your jam. Yeah. That's wild. Well, thank you for that review, Eddie. Well, I got another one for you. Oh, hell. Yep. This one's Undead Panic. Oh, Okay. So one game that we've talked about already that I really, really love is Castle Panic. Right. And the people that have been listening intently to this uh, podcast and paying a lot of attention will know that I was talking about Undead Panic, which is sort of the Walking Dead version of that. Yeah. You're, uh, instead of having a castle, you have a cabin that your survivalists have gathered up in through different walks of life. And they're trying to keep from getting eaten by zombies. Cool. So this is one where your level of appreciation for the zombies comes into play. If you're a massive Walking Dead fan, run out and buy it. If you've had enough of zombies, I would say not so much. But even with the zombie thing aside, it's got some interesting mechanics from what I remember you telling me that would make it fun. Yeah. uh, The point of the game is for you to survive. It's semi-cooperative. You're trying to keep all the survivors alive, but all that really matters is that you survive. And you're going to call in a band to rescue the party. But isn't there something you said where, like, you might end up getting bitten and now – you're working against your fellow players where it's cooperative until you get bitten. Yep. So if you get bitten, you become a bad guy. Uh-huh. And there's actually and a neat. mode of the game that you can play as the zombie overlord and you can run the bad guys. That's cool. So it's interesting. It's uh, a bit more complex than castle panic. It's not the exact same game, but if you're familiar with castle panic, you'll at least know the big broad strokes. Uh, it has weapons in it. That's kind of cool feature. Uh, each of the different characters has different powers. Uh, when the characters get turned into zombies, they get different powers. So as a zombie PC, I guess, you're more powerful than the regular zombies. That's cool. So again, based on how much you like zombies right now, 
I'm giving it a three. Cool. Check it out. But I would prefer personally Castle Panic. Castle Panic is a lot simpler. Castle Panic is one of those games you can just take out of the box and play. Castle Panic is going to, or Undead Panic might take you just a little bit longer, but it, you can still open it up and play it. It's not one of those ones that you're like, oh, we got to go watch a two hour YouTube video now. Well, cool. I'm, I'm, that's again, I want to play some of those Panic games. They sound like a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. But if I was bringing something over, I'd bring Castle Panic. Yeah, absolutely. Get a big hit for a, a bigger audience, a more generic. Like, I think everybody will be cool with this. Yeah. All right. We've been watching any great TV shows lately. Well, now, before we switch gears real quick. Um, so... You know, I, I'm all, if lately I've been on a thing by the last year. So if I see anything post-apocalypse, not anything, but a lot of things, I buy it. And then many a time I go, why did I buy this? You know? Um, but I had seen this thing on one of my many Facebook groups, uh, that's post-apocalyptic or whatever. And it was called micro mutants RPG. And it's a little digest size book. You know, it's not terribly big. It's got some really neat artwork on the front. There's some, you know, uh, bad butt looking uh, post-apocalyptic heroine, you know, uh, with her, you know, pistol and looking all cool or whatever on the cover. Um, and it's by a guy named Noah Patterson. And it's funny, after I bought the game and got it, I got to looking and this guy Patterson is out of uh, over in Dallas in that general area. So I was like, oh, cool. He's a local boy. Um uh, but anyway, I was reading it and it's fun. It's I'm not going to say it's shakes up the paradigm or whatever or is revolutionary or something. But I mean, it's really fun. And it kind of almost reminded me of when I was a kid, they had those pocket games. Um, and so it's, it's really simple. It's something that you could you could play a game. And it, what I like is you could play it solo or you could play it with a group. Um, and the cool thing about playing with a group is if say like you and the family are like, you know, we all want to play together and I don't want to, and I, and, and no one wants to run the game. It's got a number of little charts you can roll against that will generate things on the fly. And so it's really more of a, a post spot up your dungeon crawl, but if someone wants to be the referee, they could step back and it could be more of a traditional role-playing game where, you know, there's some interaction and dynamics and things going on more than just kill loot rinse, repeat, you know, but if you just want a little bit of mindless fun, um, it'd be really good for that. And it really is just, I like the really simple classes he came up with. It's, it's got classes. So there's some differentiation in their abilities or whatever. Um, and I like the charts cause you know, I like charts. Um, but it, yeah, but it, it's really a, a fun little game and it's something that I absolutely intend to sit down sometime and just do a little, little solo game with it. Um, and I, I would highly recommend it. What's neat about it is, so the guy, his company is uh, Micro RPG. And I think all of his stuff is on drive-thru RPG. I think you get the PDF of this for a couple bucks, but I actually got the book off Amazon with my free prime shipping for like five bucks or something. And it's a, I mean, for $5, just the quality of the book. It's got some really neat artwork. Uh, it's, it's well worth the price. And uh, I would highly recommend it. It's just, it's just fun, you know? Um, and then one more, as far as what am I reading? 
I've been reading Hubris again, which is done by Mike Evans. And it blows my mind that this great, big, beautiful book full of all this neat stuff, he's giving it away for free right now. You can find it on the internet, Hubris by Mike Evans. He's giving it away free. I, I post the link somewhere, but um, I just, because it, it's such a neat book and it's got so much just great stuff in it. It's well worth the price tag, but right now for free, because he's, I guess, a nice guy. He's giving it away during this, what's going on, you know, do his part to help people uh, forget their troubles, you know, but uh, Hubris is just such a great book. Anyway, um, I won't go into detail. I would just say, Take my word for it. Hell, it's free. Go check it out or don't. Bang. That's as far as what we're gaming, what we're reading. As far as watching, I haven't been watching anything right now, watching anything on TV. So, anything you're watching, you're devouring yeah. anything? Checking out that Solar Opposites. Oh, yeah. Is that any so good? For the Rick and Morty fans out there, this one is Justin Roiland's new show. It's very Rick and Morty influenced. If you like Rick and Morty, you'll probably like this. If you don't like Rick and Morty, you won't like this. Okay. It's kind of like uh, Simpsons and Futurama or one of those things. Even though those have got their differences. Right. But if you, I'd, I'd have to meet somebody that didn't like Simpsons that likes Futurama. You know what I mean? Or somebody that's like, I like the Cleveland show, but I don't like Family Guy. Oops, because I'm over here biting my tongue because I figure our listeners, it's like heresy. But I appreciate The Simpsons and I has enjoyed The Simpsons as a general rule, but I, I never really embraced The Simpsons on the whole. And I love Futurama. Huh. Can we still be friends? <laughs> yeah, because I really like Futurama. And Futurama, uh, while we're talking, well, I guess this one's not that shocking that Simpsons is just falling apart. Yeah, it's it's kind of gotten long in the tooth. It's jumped the shark, as they say. Whereas Futurama, I think, pretty much held up through its runs. Oh, yeah. That's why they brought it back a couple times. I mean, it's just they had some new ideas, and it was fresh, and, yeah, it's just fun. But, yeah. But don't get me wrong. I've, I've enjoyed The Simpsons, and there's bits of it are so iconic and just, you know, worst episode ever, you know, and all that. I mean, just, it's you know, they're, they're such a touchstone for, and they've been, you know, but. But yeah, anyway. But it's more if, uh, like, Rick and Morty, if that offends you, if that's not your cup of tea, that's not your sense of humor, then, yeah, Solar Opposites is, follows along the same, kind of like Family that's Guy a, and American Dad or something. Yeah, they're all they're in the same vein or whatever. Yeah. If one offends you, that the other one's definitely going to offend you. You've got to have <laughs> that kind of sense of humor. Yeah. It's kind of mixed to say, like, it's better than Rick and Morty, but here maybe somewhat shocking is a lot of this newest season of Rick and Morty, in my opinion, hasn't been that great. Yeah, off of your recommendation, I haven't even checked it out yet. So the very most recent Rick and Morty, it was pretty good, kind of more of a return to form, but the one before that was probably worst episode ever. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Solar Opposites is good. It's kind of like the uh, damning it with faint praise. Uh -huh. It's good. If you're looking for more of that Rick and Morty type stuff, check it out. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's got some good laughs. And I think the 
C plot, as they call it, would appeal to you. The story about the wall. Mm-hmm. So, overall, yeah, check out Solar Opposites if you like Rick and Morty. Just give it a try. It's on Hulu. Yeah, cool. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably check it out. Um, so, I know that here we are 32 minutes in, and we, we were going to talk about Dark Trails, haha. Um, do we want to jump in on that or? <laughs> no. <laughs> because while we're talking about what we're reading yeah uh, with all this uh i don't know it's not like i've got more at home time but i've been reading a lot more comics really yeah so i've already turned everybody on to the immortal hulk i think oh yeah yeah so i'll plug it again man immortal hulk is great i was reading some of the conan dark horse comics yeah. So those those were really awesome. But one yeah. of the things I didn't read, and I say back in the day, this might have been, I don't know, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. was Superior Spider-Man. <laughs> Uncanny, exceptional, amazing, you know. So what what's it called again? Superior Spider-Man. Superior Spider-Man. Oh, my. And I don't know if you heard, this was kind of controversial at the time. Huh. What Superior Spider-Man is, is simply uh, Dr. Octopus transfers his brains over into Spider-Man's body. Oh, wow. And Peter Parker gets transferred into Doc Ock's body, and Doc Ock dies. Oh, crap. So Spider-Man is now Doc Ock, or Doc Ock's driving the Spider-Man body. Huh. And because he's got that kind of ego, he's going to be, he's going to prove himself the superior Spider-Man. So he kind of has a change of heart as he is, uh, as his old body is dying and he decides he is going to do good for the people. Try to kind of uh, honor Peter who gave up his life, I guess there, or gave up his body literally. Yeah. So what if Doc Ock became Spider-Man and tried to be a good guy? But hmm. I will say it tries to be a good guy. Yeah. But that's, and a lot of people were up in arms, just like everything in comics now, like Thor is going to be a woman. Yeah. This is going to be that. Up is going to be down. But those are temporary things. Yeah. And this temporary run. But yeah, for a while, people were just, out of their minds because of this. Huh. Have a Peter Parker Spider-Man. Wow. But I've gone back and I've read it, and the original run is really, really good. Hmm. Uh, he ends up throwing down against the Green Goblin. So it's really, really good. So I don't want to give a lot of spoilers. Uh, Peter Parker is still uh, ex- existing in Octavius's mind and trying to take back over. So yeah, it's really a cool comic to check out. If there was somewhere online, you could read comics. I would highlight, but something to do as you're hanging around the house. That's another recommendation for you. And that one, a lot of iterations of it. I'm only recommending the original run to you after that. It gets wonky. 
things get crazy as they do in comics as they go on and on. All right. Well, since we're talking about comics, I had recently uh, got my hands on the the Fantastic Adventures, the uh, Richard Corbin's Den. And uh, I think this was the, so they did this run of, you know, Den stories. And this is that, I think this is the first bunch, but uh, the comic, I just love Richard Corbin's style and his artwork, you know, and the stories were written by like a buddy of his, that he's done some collaborations with and, uh, and they're in color. They're just really gorgeous comics. And I just love the artwork and the stories are okay. I mean, really the stories at the end of the day are not maybe the best, but, um, but, but, but it, I mean, but they're good, but it's just like his artwork is just so gorgeous and his action that he can, you know, convey is so good. Um, yeah. The guy who's like did the writing, I think is, you know, uh, I'm trying to find it, but anyway, they're really good. I, I enjoyed those. And, but those were like done. It's hard to believe. I think these were done in like the, eight, the late eighties. So like I was like, you know, high school or whatever, you know, when these came out, which is probably why, you know, I wouldn't have found them in, you know, Shreveport or Bossier, you know, in my, you know, late teens or something, not with the, <clears throat> which actually these don't have like abject nudity in them. I mean, I know Corbin does some great stuff in that regard. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, Din will, excuse the term, hang dong or whatever. And the girls are, are, are never small chested, but in these comics, he made sure people are turned just the right way or their leg or arm or a shadow. So there's no, there's no nudity. And they're not, you know, uh, uh, graphic in that regard, but still, anyway, it's just beautiful artwork. I loved in. And then the other thing I've been reading is, is Harrow County. And uh, I've gotten the collected, you know, graphic books or whatever, you know? Um, so it's like one whole, story that took place over five, six comics compiled into one book. And I love the artwork in them. And the stories are really cool because it's that old, like 1930s, 40s, you know, out in the country or whatever. But, you know, I love because growing up, I mean, that was a term we used was Hanks, you know, you got you a Hank, you know, and uh, you would hear. And anyway, but it's, it's called Harrow County. And like the first one's called Countless Hanks. You know, and it's really neat. Um, but anyway, I would I would highly recommend that definitely to get people in. And I, that was kind of the idea was either for doing you could use those stories in dark trails or you could use them in. Um, oh shoot, what's it called? The box set that came out for DCC, where it was really kind of based off Manly Wade Wilson's uh, Silver John stories. I can't remember. It's supposed to be kind of like the moonshine ending up in the mountains of Appalachia or whatever, the Appalachian uh-huh. trail. I can't think of, man, it kills me. Some of our listeners know I'm talking that's about. But anyway, what, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shutter Mountain. That's it. Yeah. But, um, but, but basically those stories would be great for that, you know, uh, or for dark trails possibly. And some of the ghosts are really neat because like there's one ghost, you can only see him through a keyhole. So when the girl shows up, to do to fight against this particular haint to put it down or whatever she's carrying a, a keyhole like the big elaborate cool looking metal keyhole off a door with her in her pocket and so she can hold it up and look through it to see him you know you can only he's, he's, he's one of them keyhole ghosts you know so I, yeah. you know, I love 
this little stuff like that. It's really neat. It's really neat. All right. While we are putting off that main topic a little bit more, I wanted to talk about games to go in Geek World. Yes. What I wanted to say is both of them are open for your retail business again now. Yay. Rush out and buy stuff. Please do. They, that's the kind of people you want to endorse. Yeah. Everybody's been hit hard. It's been a slow time. So uh, keep those guys in your wallet. <laughs> keep those guys in your wallet? <laughs> in your thoughts and prayers. There you go. Wallet. Yeah. Crack open for them. I've yeah, got a lot yeah. of my stuff from uh, Games to Go. Oh, yeah. Those gonna... guys are really nice guys. I like those guys. I've, I've dealt, I'm dealing with them more in recent time and, you know, met them through you. And they're just – all those guys that work there are super guys. Oh, yeah, really knowledgeable too because, like I said, they're the ones that turn me on to Castlevania two after it's had its horrible reputation. And if I need something, they always know uh, what I'm talking about. So yeah. really good guys. Uh, pretty much the same with Geek World. I'm going to go hit them up this weekend and try and sprinkle a little, little money on them. Yeah. It's funny. I originally was going to suggest we go over there today, um, but just, you know, it's so so crazy. And Thursday is such a busy day, and I had a repairman coming. But I believe it or not, I'd started to recommend we go over because, again, I'm missing Will and Ken and, and, you know, Mark or whatever and all that bunch. You know, it'd be cool to see any of them and, you know, because they're just really friendly and knowledgeable, you know, just just a great bunch of, of folks. Yeah. yeah. So you can go shop them, but you cannot go and game them yet. Soon, we hope. Soon, we hope, yeah. And speaking of that, yeah, DCC Days is right around the corner. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get to do something in person for that. Yeah. Hopefully. If so. not, I guess we can always delay that. Yeah. Well, the cool thing is, even if, let's say, you get your hands on the material, we can run it at some later date for folks. So people still get to enjoy it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, Geek World is going to be an official participant in that. So they'll have all the goodies for you. Goodies. Uh, there's going to be a new adventure for sale. And then there's going to be three new adventures in the whatever you want to call it, 2020 DCC Day Adventure Book. That's and cool. I think that's just Benny for GMs and stuff. Yeah. I'm totally jelly. I won't get to – I'm heartbroken. Yeah, I know. I think that the, the uh, for sale adventure is a Harley Stroh. Oh, Harley hadn't written anything for a while that I think can remember, so that's awesome. And one of the three adventures in there, I think, is the I think the DCC. Well, it may be a Lankmar adventure. That's Harley. So I will. Some new Harley stuff. Yeah, always good. Everybody loves Harley stuff. And a straight up DCC. I think. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I think you get a DCC, a, a Lankmar, and a MCC. Really, an MCC? Wow. Yeah. Which, okay, talking about DCC uh, and Goodman Games, they just did the Kickstarter for uh, Empire of the East. Yep. I, I of course, kicked, kicked that. Um, it's Fred Saberhagen wrote, you know, those books. That those are based off of them. They're, they're amazing. They're great books. 
the stories are really neat. So, um, yeah. Well, they've still got to do one for the Jack Vance, don't you think? The Dying Earth? Yeah, that's been in kind of limbo for a while. Well, they had a guy that was working on it, and then we don't know the particulars, but they're just party company or whatever. But they've got another guy on tap who's working on it. So we'll see about the Dying Earth book. And then uh, maybe one for X-Crawl as well? Yeah, because that's the one that I know you're anxious for, and I'm kind of surprised they haven't that hadn't happened yet. But who knows? Yeah, slowly moving forward. But I, I don't know they'll do a Kickstarter for it, but it kind of seems like they would. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny was they've gotten the rights to, you know, Dying Earth, Jack Vance, have gotten the rights to Saberhagen stuff. Well, I wish they could get their hands on um, the, like, Michael Moorcock, you know, um, the like eternal champion, you know, uh, Elric Amonabon, the Hawk Moon, you know, all those that, that those all took place in the same sort of a shared universe world, not necessarily the same world, but shared cosmology. I mean, whatever. So, um, I think that would be it'd be neat if they could get their hands on that and did something with it. I think they would do justice to it, but who knows? Well, they're getting in, they got the act, you know, rights to Fritz Lieber's stuff, so. All that great old Appendix N, you know, stuff. It'd be great if they got that. Yep. Yep. You got All anything right. You got anything else to delay with? Nah, better not. <laughs> well, let's briefly talk about Dark Trails because we can always hit it again. Oh, yeah. So what, where do you want to start at in this dark trails conversation? Okay. So as before, you know, so before there was dark trails, there was black powder, black magic. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, unfortunately, but he wrote these zines, these sort of digest size books. And I picked them up at NTRPG some years ago. And I think it might've even in before, before I got into DCC, but I just like the sound of this kind of a weird West, you know, game. And so when Beatty was thinking about doing it, well, he heard, then he'd heard about dark, uh, uh, black powder, black magic. So he's like, well, shoot, somebody's already done it. But the guy, for whatever reason, just kind of let it down the vine. I'm sure somebody, if you know the, 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 the you know, the, the, the dirt, shoot me a Facebook message or, or something. Let me know because I'm, I'm intrigued, but for whatever reason, the guy just quit, quit doing it. And so Beatty thought, well, okay, he's not going to really flesh it out anymore. So that he went forward with dark, uh, dark trails. So anyway, it's a little bit of lore. Some people might not know, you know, that, yeah. So I guess like, you know, like beyond that, you know, we're, we're all excited for the game. I'm curious, have you had a chance, you, you've obviously looked at it. Is there anything that you're like, that this class needs more work or I like that or that's, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anything with the classes? Well, let's start with this. Okay. This is a quick starter, aka nicknamed the thick starter. Yeah, because this is thick. It's a lot you of content for a quick start rule set. Seven pages wow. of goodness. One hundred and eighty-seven. It comes with a mod, so it's one hundred and forty-seven pages just for the rules, and then you have that adventure. Yeah. 
which is Death Crawls West, which I think, isn't it uh, our buddy uh, John runs that one a lot? Yeah, yeah. And then and then John's wrote, he, he's wrote uh, a couple of his own that are really good, that have, he's ran some cons. But anyway, we digress. Yeah. So looking forward to playing some of that with him soon. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, okay, classes. What was it? It has 12 classes? Yeah, 12 classes. And they're talking about because they hit a, a certain um, Kickstarter goal, adding another one. It's like, oh, lucky 13. The one thing from uh, actually talking to uh, David Beatty last time and looking at the Kickstarter mm-hmm. is you get your money's worth. Oh, yeah, and then some. It's just when he does something, he doesn't do it halfway. You can tell this is a work of a labor of love. I mean, he's put his heart and soul into it. So for the classes, is there any class that's speaking to you right now? Well, you know, like I said on the the podcast, I've always been intrigued by the Tommyknocker. It seems like it would be that perfect blend for me. I want a class that's effective because I'll tell myself I'm a little bit of a power gamer, but I'm still a role player and and that's rife with role playing opportunities. So it's that perfect sweet spot for me. Like I could see me being effective on the tabletop, but as well, I could have some really neat opportunities for role playing. There's some there's some depth and potential just baked into the, the class's nature. You know, so as, as well, far okay. as good for people that don't know, the Sin Eater and the Tommy Knocker are kind of interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Um, They're dead characters. Yeah. So when you do these funnels and you're like, I hope one of my guys survives to the end so I can play him and class him up into something. Well, mm-hmm. this is one of those times. And go, hey, that guy that died, mm-hmm. he's going to be one of the Sin Eaters or Tommy Knockers. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. If you think right there, you had that one character you really loved in the funnel that died, which happens a lot in funnels. How cool to know you still might have a chance to, to be able to play them. That's cool. Very cool. Um, I, I will say this. So it's kind of like the Gunslinger, when we were going to play some games using that system, I've been a DM for a game master judge for a lot of years. When you see a lot of people and you know who those people are by their nature to boot, I'll add that as well. And they gravitate towards one given class. It makes you as a game master go, let me go give that a second look. That might be a little OP. And so I give that caveat to say, I went that I've had some players, a handful of players like, I want to play a gunslinger. And I was like, Wait a minute. And I looked at it, and I think the Gunslinger in its original iteration in the beta rules might have been a little OP. Looking at it in the, in the thick start, it looks like it's, it's, it's in that sweet spot. It's a very effective class, but I don't think it's OP. But then again, we're not saying the full product. You know what I mean? Kind of. So I, I just I worry. But then again, it could be such a really single focus one trick pony kind of character yeah they're highly effective in combat but they're pop they might be worthless outside of it and that would be a balancing factor because there's always going to be that guy that really doesn't care about what his character does outside combat he just wants to be the guy to run the table and the beta version of the the gunslinger was he was op 
you know, that's, that's just my, my opinion. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad class. It was well-developed. It's got some things that make it unique and interesting, but it was just kind of like, wow, you know I mean? And, and it's not just me. Like I said, I had a number of those kind of players or not, maybe they're not that kind of player, but just to say, when you have a lot of players wanting to play the same class, you start going, well, wait a minute. Why? You know, anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, you kind of have to think that people want to play a gunslinger because it's the West, too. And that's fine. If that's really where they were coming from, I'm totally cool with that. But I just, it felt like to me, is like, mm, you know, and honestly, looking at the class is very effective. Very <clears throat> effective. But anyway, in the, in the beta version, which that's like I was telling people, it's a beta. You know, I'm not going to judge harshly because in a video game or any other game, it's in beta, you know. So anyway. Um, did you see uh, David's post recently about uh, his his swag for Dark Trails? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's swag, baby. Uh, not one iron on in sight <laughs> or patch or whatever. I was like, yeah, yeah. that was good looking swag. If we could do some face to faces, I would uh, run my three games real quick and get me some of them fancy mugs. Oh yeah, man. That's all. But all that swag looks sexy as hell. But yeah. 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 Anyway, um, one of the things I'll point out about Dark Trails is that, you know, a lot of times these people that come out with these games, they use DCC as the core engine, as I call it, my nomenclature, but they'll do things to make it unique. And some things I think are maybe a little overdone, you know, but one thing I really liked and it makes absolute perfect sense in Dark Trails is the grit stat. I love the grit stat. I like the way it works. Kudos to, to David on that one. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of adding in that sanity check. That if you're going to be a, a weird game, period, whether it's Weird West or Cthulhu or whatever, you, you have to have that. And, I, and the way yeah, you implement the, fits well. That's where the DCC meets Boot Hill meets Call of Cthulhu comes in, I think. Yeah, but it was the way it was implemented in an, in an elegant way. And, uh, because I remember when we were playing at the table at uh, NTRPG, I guess it was last year, when people were feeling, you know, certain grit checks, they were, you know, people, you know, uh, uh, one guy peed his pants, you know, his character. Other people are, you know, locked in place trembling and or the other, you know, somewhat amusing to, you know, very, you know, somewhat things that didn't shut your character down and make you worthless. But it, it shows that your character is in mortal terror. You know, this is something that's that's crashing into your sanity and jarring you because it's so outside the norm and your, your mind's trying to comprehend what's going on. And particularly not just nowadays, but in the, in the, in the old West days, I mean, this would be just, you know, devastating to your psyche, you know, anyway, it's neat. I yeah. like it. I like the gun deck. Yeah. So what that is, is the, uh, if you have a firearm for your character, whenever you roll an attack to shoot somebody with that weapon, you also flip a card. And if it is a, what, jack, queen, or king, you get a bonus of one, two, three, respectively. Mm -hmm. If it's a number, that's nothing except four, aces and eights. Aces and eights. Which are the bad luck cards. So I thought that was a pretty cool thing. It adds yeah. another 
layer. It makes it, it separates it from your average game. Yeah, because I'm the first one to say part of the charm of DCC is it's it's a rather it's not a real rules heavy game, you know. And so to, when you go to add in a rule, you go, is it really necessary? I mean, what does it bring to the table? Now that that adding that little card flip in isn't adding a lot of extra work or trouble or whatever. And it, it adds an interesting, cause there's the whole poker old West kind of thing. And, and it adds an, an extra element. Yeah. I like it. I, I like the the deck and, and um, yeah, I like the way that Beatty knew that no West, you're not going to wear armor. So he did the thing where you add your reflex save to your armor class to give people a little better armor class, you know, uh, uh, because you're not going to be wearing plate mail or chain mail or whatever in the old West. So, yeah, I like that. Like there were some easy fixes that, you know, to, yeah, I like it. Yeah. I, we, I like keep there. Yeah. I like the alignment system. Yeah. The righteous, and the damned, mm-hmm. good guy, bad guy, white hat, so or black hat. Cool. Yeah. And I like the mystic monk is straddling both of those. Yeah. Kind of like the old, Good. And what an interesting crest that they added the luchador. <laughs> you know, but uh, I've seen players have a lot of fun and play a lucha and really role play it and at a table because I've played it. I've had the the, the great fortune of playing uh, uh, Dark Trails with David a, a couple, t- two, three times. And and uh, I've seen one guy really got into the luchador and had a ton of fun with it. And, you know, like you come up with your own signature move which I love, you know, growing up as a kid watching wrestling. And the guy's move was really cool, you know. But anyway, his special his signature move. Yeah. yeah. So, really, I mean, I'm, like I said, these these classes are not just like, I mean, throw out some crap out here and just, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, no, I mean, each one really stands on its own and is unique and interesting. And so it's not like, well, this one's kind of like the other one, but they did a few little things. I mean, no, each, I mean, to have 12 different classes, they each have a distinct sort of feeling uh, and they're really fleshed out and interesting. And each one's kind of unique, you know, what it brings to the table. Yeah. yeah. It's really, no, it's a great game. It's a great game. Yeah. We're almost at the hour mark, Mr. Eddie. Yeah, I was going to say, we can go into dark trails many times and in depth. We can revisit this subject. Mm. It's merely our excuse for an episode this time, but we had a lot of catching up to do with you, listener. Oh, yeah. We've missed y'all. So uh, go ahead and send us your comments about what you've been watching, reading, gaming, yeah, let us know. Give us some suggestions. Some wonderful some feedback. Feedback, that's right. Feedback, and, please and thank you. And again, hopefully this will be our last anchor cast. Hopefully we'll yeah. all be able to get to face-to-face gaming and face-to-face podcasting again real soon. There you go. Can't wait. Can't wait. Anyway, so uh, definitely hoping to see all of you at at, uh, at Long Con in November. Thank you for listening. And I can see we're all out of hit points. <laughs>